Formula Access. This week, I bring you James Rowe. James Rowe uh, comes from Ireland. Um, oddly enough, Dublin, Ireland is our number one city uh, from an audience analytic. And uh, it surprises me, uh, but we've had Kate Dalton from Aston Martin. She is from Dublin. And, um, and apparently, as James said, uh, Formula Access is kind of a big deal over there. So um, I am greatly humbled and greatly honored to bring you uh, James Rowe, who is from Nice, which is nearby. Um, I guess it is considered Dublin, maybe. But um, he just signed on as the uh, Andretti Topcon NXT driver for 2023. Uh, you guys, drivers have a different experience. Uh, James is, is actually very, very different from some of the drivers that we've had on the show. And, you know, his grit his determination um, would appear superficially like a motivational video, but you guys, this guy's so genuine and he believes the things that he's saying and he's just grinded out an incredible adventure journey experience in motorsports. And he's honestly, he is an example of, of what I talk about all the time of what drivers need to do to make it to the top. If you are a young aspiring driver and any any series this is an episode that you must pay attention to take notes listen to what james is doing these are the things that differentiate somebody that wants to be a professional racing driver and somebody that is a professional racing driver you guys grab a cup of coffee grab a piece of paper or an ipad or whatever you do today take notes enjoy here's an incredible story from the andretti family Formula Access, welcome. We bring the people of motorsports to your doorstep. Today, we got another special guest. Uh, today, we bring another driver. These are my favorite guests that we ever have on the show because they take human performance and just discipline to an entirely different level. And for all of my business owners and business people that pay attention to this sport, you guys, these are the types of people that... Uh, that encourage us to uh, drive forward and uh, just kind of cut out the noise and uh, keep pushing towards our dreams. So today we've got James Rowe. He is from IndyCar NXT, uh, Topcon, Topcon, Andretti Autosport. You guys, James, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm excited to come on. We spoke uh, highly of your podcast over the years. I mean, my buddies were listening to it. So uh, to be honest, it's is, is pretty cool. I appreciate that. Uh, it started out heavily US and is kind of becoming a global thing. And uh, actually, yesterday, I had a two hour conversation with uh, Mercedes, and they kind of want to uh, get together and, and talk about uh, providing us guests to kind of uh, help us out. So yeah, well, yeah. when people in Ireland are talking about it, you know, it's 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 going the far side of the Atlantic. You're going the right direction. Yeah. So to all those, James is from Ireland. And fun fact, Dublin, Ireland is the number one city on our podcast. 
we're from the states somehow we ended up being uh a big deal in dublin so complain about that <laughs> love it so for all the people that are listening that are not from ireland uh who are you and and what do you what are you doing today what do you do in this season so yeah as you said james road 24 year old uh professional racing driver driving the number 29 top gun andretti autosport car in uh, indy next this year uh, based out of Indianapolis, obviously the home and the hub for IndyCar and Indy Next here in North America. Uh, Andretti Autosport also based here, so um, it's home home away from home at the moment. And uh, yeah, we're just getting ready to kickstart our season. Next weekend, the season over in the streets of St. Petersburg in Florida. Um, and actually, I fly out tomorrow morning uh, down to Miami. We have our second test Um of the season at Homestead on, on Monday. So uh, busy time of the year, and uh, I guess this is what it's all about, you know, gearing up for the season, and we'll see what we got next week. What are your expect? This this is not your first season in NXT, right? So it's my first full season. Last year I did a partial season um, in, 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 in the next, and then the remainder of the season was done over in Europe in a GT3 uh, series, and... Uh, yeah, first, first, uh, I suppose, if you'd like to call it my first big opportunity, you know, to drive like a team such as Andretti Autosport and be part of that environment. I mean, they're so impressive on every front, in and out of the car. They, they're just so professional. So as a driver, when you put yourself in that environment and submerse yourself around, you know, the Andretti mindset and, and how they operate, it uh, soon becomes a, a pretty big deal uh, on a number of fronts. So for me... Um, I'm just extremely excited to be here, extremely excited to be with them, you know, extremely fortunate, you know, is, is a massive thing uh, to be getting into one of their cars and racing on their behalf next weekend. The Andretti's are a different breed. They, mm -hmm. uh, they kind of busted the mold after uh, after that group. I've, I've actually spent some time with them. Uh, I've had Mario on the show before and, uh, you know, and I've gotten to spend some some one on one time with with a lot of the, I guess, team leaders, and um, they they definitely operate at a different level. Yeah, uh, they're they, just um, just they just work. That's just the, the biggest thing I've noticed being with them. And you know, the Andretti's are immigrants to North America. You know, coming from Italy over to North America to pursue a dream, and and. I'm myself. I myself, I'm an immigrant. I I moved over here at 18 years of age. Just after I finished high school in Ireland, I had this goal and vision to come to America, moved here, spent the first two weeks sleeping in a in a truck at a team shop, living out of a suitcase on a workshop floor for this dream or this goal. And then you just work, work, work. But now after being immersed in their environment since last November, <clears throat> every day I go to that shop or any hour of the day, they're just working. Everyone across the board. It's it's a really, really weird feeling initially but they're just always on it and, and i think that stems from you know michael and mario and i mean where's michael gonna stop you know he's involved in everything and he's just so hungry and i think that as a driver for their outfit you know it, it's really really inspiring to to get the most out of yourself because you know they're putting everything in and giving everything they got what like what are your what are your expectations for this season first full season nxt yeah, I mean, it's to win, win races when you're with Andretti. You know, that's, that's the goal, win races. And I'm not thinking any bigger than any bigger than that right now. Obviously, to win a championship, you have to win races and you have to have podiums. So I think right now, 
it's just focused on winning races and performing. Um, and then ultimately just coming away from every weekend and saying, yeah, I drove really well and I drove right. And, and we know what this industry is like. There's so many variables that, you know, you never know what's around the corner, uh, essentially. So for us, it's about driving to the best of my ability, working with the engineer to the best of my ability, let him work to the best of his ability to give me the best car. And uh, we're confident, you know, once we figure things out, I'll be at Nindy next this year. There's a new variable. It's a new tire to the championship. The past six years are on Cooper tires. Now all of a sudden we're dealing with the Firestone tire and we have two test days on it before the season opener. So there's a massive learning curve there in the development process of the overall package. So um, just, yeah, work extremely hard together and be able to walk away with our heads held high saying, hey, we gave it absolutely everything. And um, I'm sure once we do that, that we'll uh, be at the right end of the grid and uh, hopefully on the top step of the podium a few times. Did you did you start the road to Indy from the very beginning, from the USF 2000 and kind no, of... No, so my, my career start has been quite or my career as a whole is quite different than, than most, you know, I didn't start motor racing until I was 15 years of age. Really? A lot of the guys that I'm racing against are competing since four or five years of age, you know, as you see. So essentially a decade behind before I even sat uh, inside a race car. And basically, you know, as I call it the hundred mile an hour version, um, grew up in a family motor repair shop in Ireland, uh, been around cars since a very young age. Uh, my uncle, Michael Rowe, had a professional career in the 80s and 90s over here in the States. He did yeah, IMSA and was works Nissan driver in 84, or sorry, 85, won the Canam Championship in 84, uh, Japanese sports cars, Le Mans, some IndyCar stuff. So he had a professional career. I had the interest from the family business in relation to cars. Grew up, always wanted to get into it. As you know, the sport's like no other. Um, to get involved in it. it's quite a bit of upfront cost doing cars engines haulers and so on and so forth so basically from a financial aspect my dad and uncle turned around and said hey you know we don't really have it to get you involved in the game but what you're going to have to do is the deal you save up enough money to purchase the car we have the resources here in the family repair shop to work and operate on the car and then your uncle from his career has the knowledge and expertise to coach you and engineer the car so it took me the last 15 years of age to get the money together working summer jobs and winter jobs and stuff and um after school, I mean, man, you name it, I done everything. I was scrapping cars, whatever it took. I was getting dollars together and purchased a Janetta Junior, which is a class for 14 to 17 year olds over in Europe. Um, purchased that car at 14 years of age, and we went competing when I was 15 at the local racetrack in Ireland. It's uh, two miles from where I grew up. Uh, it's a track called Mondello Park, the only track in the whole country, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, went out there and our first race, we're on the podium, like, hey, we better take this a little more serious. So did two years of it with wins and lap records and then went to the UK to compete in Formula Ford 1600 um, with Ralph Furman out of uh, Van Diemen, uh, or the original founder of Van Diemen, Formula Ford 1600s, because my uncle was the works Van Diemen driver back in the 70s and won the Formula Ford Festival for him in 78. So they had a strong relationship and uh, they got together and said, hey, let's develop a car together. We haven't made a Formula Ford in many years. So they, you know, put their brains together and got to work and made a 1600 chassis. And I competed in it in 2016 and then actually went back to Ralph's old 99 chassis in, in um, 2017, which shows how far ahead of his time they were when they were built and uh, enjoyed a lot of success over there with wins and lap records again in 1600 um, in the UK. And then, as I said earlier in the, in, in, in the, in the conversation, I always had a goal and vision to come to North America and uh, 
just uh, opportunity over here based off the system that's in place with the whole road to Indy and the scholarships and prize money and pole money and everything and the opportunity just to get out and get after it seemed to be rewarded over here. So that's what I did. Moved over here in 2018, right after I finished uh, high school. And um, yes, as I said, spent the first two weeks sleeping out of a truck and uh, competed in F2000. Um, that initial year over here. And um, yeah, fortunately had wins that year and some lap records again, which was good. And then following year, got a scholarship to go to Honda or go to, sorry, Formula 3 uh, here in North America from Ligier, um in North America and uh, was in it for two years. Uh, a tricky kind of a, a period, had had one win and, you know, many, many top fives. And then, um, yeah, advanced another year, went onto the road to Indy in 2021, returned three motorsport out of Chicago, Irish team owned by Peter Dempsey, um, Irish driver was a something we wanted to make happen, but we were a single car team um, with him as a team owner and engineer for me, you know, going up against some big operations. And uh, thankfully that year we had uh, success with, with pole and win and many, many top fives over there, which was cool as a single car operation. And that was my first time uh, on the IndyCar package. And now uh, I suppose last year we gained a lot of experience in that, that opportunity that I had in the partial in the light season. And, here we are with Andretti. So that's the, the quick blast. <laughs> and did you say Peter Dempsey? Is that his team? Yeah. The Mr. McCott or Steamy or whatever they call him. Uh, I don't know. Mr. Mr. Freedom 100, I call him. He's, he won the Freedom 100 in. Uh... He's the actor, right? No, no, no. You're oh. thinking. You're thinking. So this is really funny, actually. There's Peter Dempsey's Irish racing car driver, team owner, you know, ex driver, um, Freedom 100 winner, and then you got Patrick Dempsey, who's the actor. Okay. Um, but Patrick has a race team too in Europe. Uh, and every time I go through immigration, or every time I went through immigration coming into the US, driving for Peter's team, the immigration officer would obviously see on my visa that it's with. Uh, turn three motorsport and then they'd pull it up and they'd see Mr. Dempsey as the team owner. So they'd, they'd say, wait, is this the movie actor, Mr. Dempsey's team? And every time man, I have to explain the whole time. No, 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 no. I get this a lot. He's, you know, he's the team owner, but it's a different Dempsey. Um, but it's funny you say that because as I said, even immigration asked that question. Yeah. When I, when I get better at this, I'll, I'll actually know the answer to that ahead of time and I won't sound like an idiot. <laughs> You're good. You're good. You're good. So you, you did, you, um, sorry, you did formula three here right. in the U S that's right. How do you, I got a question. You don't make any money until like IndyCar. How do, how do you eat in between immigrating over here, living in a truck and to today? How do you, I, look, I'm very, very fortunate to have many great partners behind me. Obviously, Top Compositioning Systems being one of them, and they've been with me since 2019, and they're a, a huge partner and a huge player in, in my career, um, and only for them. And Ray O'Connor, their CEO, and Yuli Hermansky, their, their CMO. You know, I 
I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am. Um, and those guys, those guys really believed in me and my journey and see a lot of relevance to what they do in their business um, on the paving side to to that and, and what we do in, in motorsport and the importance of a smooth racetrack and so on and so forth. And then I've been, you know, you take it back, there's many partners who've been on board in various different scales who, who've helped me. But ultimately, it's just a massive work ethic that I travel like crazy. I work like a lot of hours to make it all happen. You know, I have no manager, no representation, no agency. Everything you see, every partnership, every deal, even the Andretti contract, that was just between Jeff and I dealing with it and getting it done. Um, so um, to answer your question, how do I do it? I don't know the answer. I just think a lot of hard work, 95 flights last year, 25 transatlantic, the other, you know, 70 here in North America. So that's just what it takes to to get everything together to make it all work, you know? I am a huge adversity guy. I think that anyone that has the guts and the discipline to execute a dream on their own and figure it out, to me is probably the highest performing people out there. Mm -hmm. I, I think too many, too many people in the world want it all figured out before they ever get started. And I love the entrepreneur in me loves the warrior and uh, you know, you just kind of like, I want to do this. I'll figure yeah, it out. Well, I think there comes a point, right. Where you can sit around and wait for the perfect scenario. Like to have all the funding for the program and for living and for this and for that, and to be with the right team and the right engineer and the right this and right that. But man, you're going to be in your thirties before that happens. Right. So there comes a point where you got to, you know, pull the trigger and get on with the show and just, I guess, just work, just get to work. That's, that's basically the common denominator that I see people ask, how'd you put them together? It's just work. You know, people joke that, you know, we're, I'm European based in America with global partners and they, they, you never know where I am because it's like, I'm always on, you know, and that's just what it takes because you gotta be just out working everyone to, to make it happen. If you want to do it by yourself. Tell me, how does this conversation with JF go? You want to drive for him? You want, like, do you just walk up to him? Do you email him? Like, so it actually stems back to two years ago. Um, I won the last race of the Indy Pro Championship in 2021 at Mid-Ohio. Uh, it was a rain, rain-filled race. Mid-Ohio is extremely treacherous in the rain, super, super tricky um won it by a big margin or sorry i was in the lead by a big margin i was up to two seconds a lot faster than opposition at times tried to race in the rain um and then the safety car came out with two laps to go and ended up winning it again but it was a pretty dominant race started six drove to the front and, and and drove away um which isn't easy to do around there so after that race the monday morning we had a dialogue where he said you know hey good job congrats on Mid Ohio win. Um, let's stay in contact was kind of the gist of it. Then, of course, I went in the lights last year and was an easy task. Startup team, um, a new group going against teams such as Andretti and HMD Autosport or Motorsport, who've been in the championship for a number of years and big programs. So we struggled a bit, I'll be honest. I mean, like a top six was kind of a good day for us. And the reality for that is you're going against six or seven HMD cars and four Andretti cars, which is you know, 10 or 11 cars before you even get get there that you got to beat. So um, JF reached out, 
it was I wrote America last year, June. We got in dialogue and, and we were just in contact. And basically he just said, hey, come to the shop, sit down. I just want to hear what's going on. And just said to me, hey, what's going on? You know, filming in your year. Basically, why aren't you winning? What's happening? And uh, uh, what's your goals? What's your ambitions? You know, what you want to do? He just wanted some information to see what it was all about. And I suppose and a chance to get to know me. And naturally, you know, when you're sitting down with the president of Andretti Autosport, as a driver, you you express your um, your interest and your your dream or your your vision to drive for his team. You know that that's that's just inevitable. So I told him I want to be with him and and I want to drive from the following year. And what what's what do we need to do or what do you need to see um, to make that happen? So he was interested at the time. And there's a message in this of perseverance of how just like you got to keep banging on the door because again you're dealing with the president who's involved has hands on every program, making decisions on a daily basis from, you know, IndyCar to be involved in the F1 process to the Indy Next program, to Formula E program. Like, the guy is super, super busy. I forget when I met with him, his phone must have rang 15 times in 20 minutes. Genuinely, I'm not even joking. And he just kept, like, silencing it and silencing it. And he's like, man, this thing never stops. It's just, that's how busy he is. So he said, look, we're interested. Let's stay in touch. Um, and that was kind of it. So we've stayed in dialogue. And then he got to September, um, and I'd been gone. I, was gone, I went over to Europe to do the, the sports car program. Our lights program had ended at that point. It ended three rounds early. And I had success over there with wins and podiums. And, again, he was in touch and, hey, nice job that weekend. You know, it looks like a strong end of the season. And, of course, I was saying, well, hey, where's the lights program at? Where, is there a seat there or not? And I never got a no, nor did I ever get a yes. It was just kind of weighing up the options. And I'd say he was just kind of seeing, you know, what I was doing or what I was doing on track, engaging performance and stuff. And then ultimately it was radio silence for probably a month. I just assumed the opportunity was gone, said, all right, well, that's it then. But I was in Ireland um, in September and the IndyCar finale was on Laguna Seca. And I just had this thought, I said, man, I got to give him one more call. I got to just see where this is at. Just at least get a yes or a no. So I called yeah. him and said, hey, you know, JF, where, where is it at? Is, are we game on here or not? You know, I want to make this happen. And, of course, again, I didn't get a yes or a no. He said, uh, give me a few days. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm all right. But I thought that was better than a no because there was still a chance. You know, we were starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, then there was no word for two weeks. So I just said, all right, well, that's that's that. But, again, remember how busy this guy is. He's just everywhere. Um and he called me then out of the blue and said, hey, we've got, we'll give you an evaluation test. Come test with us. Um, if we like what we see and the guys like you, you know, they're big about teamwork in, in the Andretti camp. Um, and we're happy with, with what's there. Then, yeah, we're, we're game on. So came over, back over to the States in October, did a two-day evaluation test. And thankfully, yeah, it went well. And um a week later, uh, here we are. Or sorry, not a week. Yeah, basically a week later. Yeah, he called me and said, um, "Yeah, let's let's go here. Let's let's do this." I, I'm happy with what I saw. And he actually, honestly, noticed the work ethic. That was one of the things that he mentioned in in reason for the um, for the opportunity. He said, "Look, if you can get here to our door by yourself, we're pretty sure you're going to be all right in our camp." <laughs> I so much of your role in your career, I guess early on and probably forever is sales. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I come from sales. I'm a sales guy. So, yeah. you know, how many salespeople just 
you know, make one phone call. They're like, ah, it sounds okay. We'll be in touch. Yeah. And then you just sit and wait and wait and wait. And the good salespeople follow up, mm -hmm. check in, text, email, call, you know, show yeah. up at the doorstep. Well, yeah. the reality is in our game, you know, there's four seats in that team. There's 19 drivers on the grid next weekend in St. Pete. I can guarantee you every one of those 19 reach out to Andretti. Yeah. Like when you're going to Indy next, you call Andretti and see if they have something. So that's just who made the grid. Never mind all the guys that were looking at it and sounding out and seeing if there's an opportunity. So like they get emails every day of the week about their program. And that's the fact of the matter coming in, guys looking in. So you're, you're going against every driver that wants, wants one of those four seats. So to think that you're just going to call and land in it is dreamland, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of been my life. From <laughs> how did I get here? From sleeping in the truck to driving for Andretti. I mean, it's it's uh, it's just a lot of work. I mean, and just being persistent. I that will take you very far. <laughs> I'm forty forty three years old, and you know I've I've gotten where I've gotten because I kind of don't take no for an answer. And when I see something I want, I I give it. Yeah. We can, uh, we see eye to eye on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's what fascinates me about drivers. I've really tried hard to focus on this show about the people and the team, but I always pull in a driver once a month, just because you guys just have this like relentless, this relentless, like pit bull attitude. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard that uh, that Teddy Roosevelt quote. I was actually showing it to my wife last night, but it's the the man in the arena. And you, look it up sometime. I'll throw okay. it on the show notes here. But like, whenever in doubt, whenever you're questioning anything, pull that quote out. I keep it on my phone. And anytime I'm kind of just like, you know, you get a hater around there or somebody yeah. kind of pops out at you, you know, I just put that on and it's, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of like Maximus and Gladiator. It's the man uh, in the arena yeah. that's you know covered, covered in dust and marred in blood. And it was a really great, uh, it was a really great speech. But I cool. keep the that's very cool. That's uh, that's the life of a driver and an entrepreneur. So yeah, well let's let's uh, let's make it happen, as they say. <laughs> so what what like what's your origin story? So you you have a family in motorsport. You know, as a kid, you mm -hmm. just grew up around cars. Like, where where's your family into Formula One, IndyCar, GT? I mean, yeah. Well, my the love of motorsport and cars in my family has been there since since back when my dad was a kid and, and my uncle was a kid. So, um, my grandfather was grew up in a small town. Sorry, take it back a step. Grew up in a small town in Ireland called Nace, Nace County, Kildare. 20 minutes from Dublin, the, the capital of Ireland. Grandfather had a veterinary practice. Um, and this is the motorsport love, I suppose, or love for speed started from him. So this is back in the 60s and 70s, a huge big practice in our veterinary practice in our area. A lot of guys working for him. And back then, you'd have to go from farm to farm working on all these animals and obviously times of the essence. So my grandfather used to have all the veterinary equipment stuff in the back of his, his car with the seats down on a piece of wood. And 
they'd be late for everywhere because they got to be everywhere super fast, but they could never knock anything over that was in the back because there was needles and medicine and bottles and glass bottles and everything back in the 60s and 70s around all these country roads in Ireland going to farm farms. So he'd drive extremely smooth everywhere, but extremely fast. And as my uncle then grew up and my dad, they were going with him and they're like, wow, you know, you're a really good driver. You should, this is like awesome. Like, you know, you're hundred miles an hour over on some back road in Ireland with these glass bottles behind you. None, none of them ever seem to break. So, you, you know, you have an act for feel and balance and controlling the car. So they said, Hey, you know, we should get involved in motor racing. So, uh, he went grass track racing, dirt track, grass track, whatever you call it over, over here. Um, and, uh, he was super successful and it was a VW, uh, and he used to wear his welly boots and just uh, keep his shirt and his tie on. He was just like a really eccentric guy and was winning races on, on dirt track stuff. So then my uncle got involved in it and my dad got involved in it. And that's then where it stemmed. They, you know, the local track is, or the only track in Ireland is locally does two miles from us, Mandela Park went out to it. And my uncle started winning races straight away in Formula Ford 1600. So then got factory drives and won a lot of stuff and my dad had some involvement, but that's ultimately where the whole motorsport love stemmed from. Then my dad got into the automotive business. He set up the car repair shop and the engine shop. So this is where the whole, you know, scene came from. And then, you know, I'm born and my uncle had had his career and my dad's automotive business is, 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 is pretty big. So you naturally grow up around this whole environment, never met my grandfather, but heard all these stories. So, the love of motorsport is just, I guess, in the blood um, and you're you're just brought into it. It's kind of like, a, why are all the Andretti's involved in motorsport, you know, or involved in automotive? You just kind of, you're pulled into it. It's, it there's a lot of racing families are like that. You know, you look at the Herdas, you look at, I don't know, in in, in F1, you, you know, any of the, the old guys like Schumacher, you know, this, the family tends to be involved in it because it's one of those sports where you're so involved and so in, consumes absolutely everything you have both from a family perspective and a business perspective that when you're born, then you're brought into that, I guess it's kind of no path. <laughs> <laughs> Every guest I've ever had on the show, no matter what they do, it's dad, dad yeah. got into motorsports and sounds like dad's dad. My dad's a horse vet. I'm going to send this to him. That's cool. He's a right. horse vet and drives around to farms all day. Like I, you can I tell him not to be breaking any glass bottles and he might have a career. <laughs> yeah. He's got a big truck. I don't, I don't think he can be racing with that, but <laughs> he'll try. I'm going to tell him there's a backup career for him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the start, uh, man. That's, that's how we got, that's where the interest started. And then as I told the story already, how we, how we got involved. Um, and, um, the rest is history. So you, you never carted. Never, never drove a go-kart ever, uh, ever. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's just been one of the, yeah, it's kind of wild, really is wild. And, you know, in some aspects, I think it's hurt me and in other areas, maybe not so much, but, um, if you're to do it again, I think, you know, if my son in years to come wants to do, get involved in motorsport, I think he'd certainly put him in a cart. Um, because the guys, the top level guys that come out of it are used to operating at such a high intensity level and the competition is so, so tight. Um, that I think it's the mindset thing more than anything that is great. You know, the, the vehicle dynamics is very different, but racecraft and mindset that you get from high level karting on a world stage seems to be astronomical. Um, not, that's not to say that it, it's to be a, be a all and end all. Obviously I didn't do it and 
you know, of bad guys who are world champions in go-karts. So it doesn't mean everything, but I think it's a great, great school uh, for people to get involved in. I think to me, I always feel like adversity and abnormality is often a, like, it's a component of success. You know, when I had Mario on the show, we were we were talking about him racing down the cobblestone streets of Italy, you know, and trying to avoid people. And I think, you know, doing that in dirt track and then getting into, you know, more refined, structured series is probably a a component of what helped him be successful. And I would I'd probably beg to say that's part of your recipe for success. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think it also all boils back to just pure passion, you know, I we all have so much passion for this sport. So it never feels like work. You know, Zach Brown also, also, always says, people say to him, well, how did you do this with McLaren? You know, he's so busy, guys, everywhere. But his answer the whole time is just passion. It's not work. You know, he's McLaren, all the programs there, United Autosport, all the deals he's doing, flying here, flying there. He's just so much passion. And I really resonate with that because if you don't have the passion for it and you're getting into this game of what you have to do, man, you'll be burned out after a week. <laughs> That's a fact. You ever reach out to Zach? Uh, we speak a little bit on uh, over text, like, like three weeks ago, dialogue okay. back and forth a little bit about having a coffee this year. Uh, he's someone I look up to, honestly, because yeah. he's just a uh, he's a wheeler dealer, and I I kind of I admire that, you know. And you kind of sit back and look, and some of the partners he's brought into the sport, like huge, huge, big corporations. Um, remember last year, the Google deal, I reached out to him. I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, that's just to see Google involved in motorsport. Every, everyone in this planet Googles every day of the week. And to right. see them stopped on one of his cars, that's pretty impressive. So stuff like that, I, yeah, I just, I admire him. I think he's, 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 uh, he's, he's, a, he's a grafter. Yeah, so I, I, I work with a lot of young drivers. Not, not anything, you know, I don't know, not contract. I just help advise people on kind of direction. I'm kind of a founding board and and, cool. whatnot. and when I get that approach and people come up to me um, just for advisement or guidance and that the first question I always ask them when they tell me they want to be a professional racing driver is when's the last time you emailed Zach? And only two, now three, you have answered that they've done that. And, you know, I just, you're, you're a perfect testament to that question when I get asked that because yeah. nobody's calling you. Yeah. You are constantly having to reach out to others and kind of create that excitement. Absolutely. No, you can just imagine, imagine his, Michael's no different. Michael Andretti's no different. The two of them are actually friends, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But they're all, they have so much going on. They're on it so much. Like I remember watching, Two case in the last three weeks, or sorry, not three weeks, month, in relation to two announcements and one result, I text Michael in relation to them. And within 30 seconds, both like, bam, response, bam, response. One was a GM deal, and the other one was in relation to the, the Formula E win. And you, you, then I was like thinking about it. I was like, man, this guy is so busy with so many programs, but yet they're always on, um, like, in the game. So if I have any excuse about not being in the game or not being on it, to anyone in my program, I said, I may forget it because these are the guys up here and they're like that. So Zach's no different, you know, and our dialogue was like, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, you, if you actually step back and process how efficient that guy was in a response with all that he has going on, 
my standard got to be there too, you know? So um, that's, that's honestly the, the most that I read into it. And it's just, just, as I said, it's inspiring. It fires you up, you know, if that's what they're like, this is what I got to be like. Okay. So now you're with Andretti. Is there a glimmer of hope for their Formula One team so that you can move into that series or is Indy, are you all in Indy? I mean, look, super license points always boils down to it, but that, that's the question mark there. For right now, it's full-blown Indy. Indy car, Indy 500. That's what I said. I would have a man of my word. You know, when I set a, a vision and a goal to where I'm getting to and all the partners are on board, we're going there full steam ahead. Um, but if something arises and there's opportunities down the road, of course, you never, uh, never turn them down. So right now, as I said, folks are winning races first and foremost. Otherwise, we won't be going anywhere. Um, and let's see what happens from there. Okay. So coming up in the series, when did you know that this was it? Like when, when in high school, I didn't know what I wanted for lunch in high school. When did you know, like, this is a dream I'm going to chase and I'm just going to leave everything that I know, every piece of comfort and go chase this dream. I don't remember uh, like a click moment, but, I just, James Rowe in school was not the class A student. He wasn't the one that was handing his assignment in on time or showing up five minutes before class. I was just, I had different priorities. And uh, it just, that academic world, albeit I got through it all and passed everything and was offered college, you know, courses and stuff and engineering. It just never, it was, wasn't for me. That's just the bottom line is that. I never, let's take it back to passion. I never felt passionate about it. So I don't, it was like a slog to do everything. I do it because I had to. Um, and then I suppose race in the UK, I was still in school in Ireland. So the running joke that I went to school for a vacation because I, 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 you know, race the weekend, come back, fly back Monday or travel back on the boat or drive here and there. Um, and I'd be in school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, gone again. And that was for like two years at the end of high school. So. It got to the degree where the, the principal or the year head of the whole school basically said, hey, we know you're not going to be, um, you know, our, our top academic student of the year. So you seem to be pretty good at this career you're chasing. You know, you're getting some results. So in fairness to him, I, I really appreciate him for doing it. his name was, was Pat O'Brien. He said, go and focus on it. You know, we think that, you know, you have everything for it. And he could have easily pulled me back and said, hey, you got to be in school all these days and stuff. Um, and I went after it and I suppose when I got that kind of release or blessing from school, um, that's always the hardest part when you're not homeschooled and a lot of guys in our industry are. And the reason for that is what I'm talking about. Once I got that release, um, I suppose I said, all right, this is it. I'm all in. I'm not going to college and, uh, we're going to make this one work. And as I said, I tell you, actually the really, the really, really, you know, oh boy moment was when I moved to America at 18 years of age after never being in this country, arriving in Chicago with two bags, nothing, no credit card, no phone, nowhere to rent, nothing, not a, nothing, absolutely nothing. I didn't get a couple of hundred bucks on a, on a debit card from Ireland. And going to the team in Wisconsin in February, freezing freaking cold and sleeping there and just processing, wait, I'm here now, this is it, this is what I got, I have nothing. All my friends were in college in Ireland. Obviously, Snapchat is a thing in 2018. They're all out at college parties and having the time of their life. 
and here's me in a freaking truck in Wisconsin cold um, trying to make it happen. Um, that was the moment where I said, all right, time to saddle up here and make this make this thing work. I imagine your dad put this discipline in. Like, where did this come from? Like, the ability to detach like that and, and chase something like where, where, where was this fostered? Um, you know, I often get asked that a lot and I don't really know. I mean, my dad's side of family is a family business. And then my mom's side is also a family business. And as you know, in family businesses, there's no such thing as a nine to five. It's not like the corporate world where we get these days off and these are hours and this is our lunchtime every day. And this is that, and you know, you're entitled to this and entitled to that. You're entitled to nothing in the family business, you know, just get out and, and make it, make it work. Um, so having that on both sides of the table, um, very seldom do you see people sitting around or lying on the couch in my home place at home because now my brother is also running the family business and he set up a different division of it. And, you know, that's just kind of how we've been. My grandfather on both sides, again, were, were, were family business owners and operators and both very successful. So like actually through the generations, just a major work ethic because it's a family business, right? So, so, Anything that I took, if a customer called at midnight, if it took getting up at 5 a.m. to go and meet someone, you just do it. So I'm growing up seeing that. And um, I suppose that's kind of just filtered in. And, and uh, they didn't know everything about the American move. I kind of positioned, like, you can imagine my mom, her youngest son, going to America, a country he's never been to, doesn't even know anything about it. Not, not even on vacation. I saw it on a few movies. And... Uh, he comes like going over and I'm like, Oh yeah, mom, it's great. It's good. You know I'm saying here? It's fantastic. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. She didn't know anything about the truck at the time or didn't know anything about living on the suitcase in the workshop floor. And, you know, I was telling her a few bits just to bluff it up a bit until, you know, the dust settled and I could really tell her. And dad, uh, dad didn't ask too many questions. He was just like, all right, when you're in the car, what's, what's going on <laughs> kind of aspect. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been fortunate. They supported me. They could have easily, pull me back, you know, and said, wait, this is not right. But sometimes it takes uh, that, that, that release. We, my wife and I are both self-employed. Um, I get that. I get that on a lot of levels. I, I think I was actually at a business meeting a couple of weeks ago. And, and one mm -hmm. of, one of the people I was meeting with asked me the question of like, what, what's your end goal? Like when, when you're dead, what, what do you want to be known for? Like, what's your goal? And I just like, honestly, as a dad, I said, I want my kids to be passionate about something. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, kids can make a million dollars a year playing video games or making TikToks. Crazy. Like crazy. You find what you love and you mm -hmm. do it and you'll figure out how to make money doing that. And, you know, and you won't be miserable and you won't want to blow your brains out at the office mm -hmm. or freak out in traffic every day. And, and I think that, that's my goal to instill that. And it sounds like your parents did yeah. the same thing. No, yeah, once you're, once you like what you're doing, as I said, once you're passionate about it, you never work. I'm, I'm yet to work a day in my life. That's the God's honest truth. I'm, I'm, I am where I am through work, but it never felt like work. Um, or like, you know, I'm doing stuff on Sundays. You wake up, you wake up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. It's 3am in the morning. You're thinking about like last night I woke up. This is true. I, I've never said this. Anymore. I woke up at 3 a.m., went to the bathroom, and I'm thinking about the test on Monday. You know, I'm thinking about a line or something like that. And then you go back to bed. So if that's like, if you're so obsessed about your 
your occupation um and it doesn't feel like work i mean isn't that the dream yep yep you have nailed it at a very young age <laughs> just... let's, just make a, let's just make it work now it's no. one thing dreaming it you'll you'll be just fine i <laughs> i know that already how how did you find these supporters like how how did you pull this together i think all young drivers struggle with this is like how do i find business owners or people that you know can buy in i mean you're racing in series that are not televised i mean you are now but before yeah, so we, we got a big break actually in the last two weeks so all in the next races are broadcast throughout the globe now obviously we've got the peacock tv network here in north america streaming their sky uk which broadcasts sky formula one over in europe is broadcasting all the races now which is absolutely huge then you got espm south america and and then it spreads further field throughout the globe so i think there's like it reached 132 countries um which is pretty pretty impressive so um how do you do it i don't know man just uh work i feel like i keep saying it but if i just i yeah i just there's no magic formula to it it's about being out there showing your face um big thing for me no matter what i'm doing is say what you're say or do what you said you're going to do and then return on investment and if you say if you do what you set out in your initial conversation and you also bring them return on investment and understand what return on investment is to that given partner i mean that's that's a win they're back on board the following year they're in for more word them out to their other counterparts is great you know it's a validation for a program and that's just basically it you know being at events always do a lot of reading, see what's going on, speak to people. I was thinking of B2B deals. I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's no, I don't have, there's no set answer. And someone recently asked me, Hey, can you put together a presentation or a document on, on, on this, you know, I want to present it to a group of drivers. I said, sure, we can do it. You know, I'm very fortunate. I do have a commercial team behind me as of the last two months. Um, and they're assisting me with some things, but I said, there's no such, there's no ABC, you know, it's not like one plus one plus one equals three. And then you got dollars. It's everything's different. And, um, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot of, a lot of work, man. Is it, is it generally, uh, like a future earnings partnership or you look, do you, is it like paddock stuff? I mean, what? No, it's all, it's, it's partnership and sponsorship deals, no future earnings stuff. Um, at the moment, um, that's came up a few times. We just we've panned it out in different ways. So yeah, no future earnings. It's all straight sponsorship for customer appreciation days, corporate days out, speaking engagements. You know, over the past two seasons, we've had like four hundred something guests at all our races throughout North America. Um, that becomes a massive customer appreciation program, massive opportunity for sales guys of these organizations to interact with their customers and their guests. Um, obviously the branding side in front of all these eyeballs, like people forget there's 69 million avid IndyCar fans in North America. It's huge. Absolutely huge. You go with a team like Andretti, it's known by 75% of the U S households you start linking brands with those numbers and those demographics. And soon enough, it becomes pretty powerful. You know, imagine going to an agency and saying, Hey, we want to get in front of 75% of U S households. What's it going to cost? You'll get a telephone number of a quote. <laughs> so you, you can get involved in motorsport and, uh, do it through us and we got you covered. 
there's a you're always for the most part you're always stateside yeah yeah i live here i'm gonna get you to come speak at our company of i love that if you do this like your story is like right up our alley of just nose down blinders on grinded out work like yeah Yeah. i love that i that email's coming just (laughs) well i'll be there man that'll be fun grab a drink (laughs) with you and have a laugh Oh, geez. Dublin. I would have never guessed when I started this show that Ireland would be like a big deal, but I, there you go. It's awesome. It's awesome. So in your career, what, what's been the hardest thing, hardest event, hardest circumstance, hardest, whatever. I actually think coming back from where I was last year in Indy Lights and the, and what went on in, in a given program and how it all panned out to being with Andretti Autosport, you couldn't make it up. You just couldn't. You, you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't write it. That's basically it. If you told me last June, hey man, you're going to be in the Andretti car for St. Pete and everything's going to be awesome, I'd say. I don't know what magic does you have in your pocket, but I, I would have believed you. I'd say, all right, let's get it going here. But logically, and with the pattern of what was going on in a sequence of events, I wouldn't have believed you. But it just the message in the bottle is that never, ever give up and just stay after it because here we are now, you know, it's, it's a week out and um, things couldn't be better. You would have never worked as hard as you did if you would have been told a year ago, this would happen. I well, I probably would have. My mindset is that, like, yeah, if I got it, I'm like, all right, I got this opportunity now. How are we going to make it ten times an opportunity? What can we do? That's just the way I'm wired. Um, so, you know, it would have been very easy when I signed that contract and all the partners on board to sit back and be on the beach in St. Pete right now, waiting for the season to come around. But no, we part in the gym this morning for two hours. You know, partner meetings this morning. You know, new partners coming on board. They just announced a deal as we're here on, on this podcast to see it's gone out. Speaking to you, you know, you just don't stop. You know, wh- why would you stop? You know, I'm, I got so much more to go, you know, and we're only getting started. What's been your biggest lesson in your career? Never take no for an answer and just be persistent. Yes. <laughs> Basically, I mean, yeah. Jeez, I'm gonna make my kids listen to this. <laughs> what, 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 what's been your pinch me moment? At what point were you just like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this. I mean, obviously, in direct communication with all the major players in motorsport. But what? I think signing the Andretti deal was pretty cool. You know, being at the shop, signing the contract, walking out, uh, or sorry, for either when JF called me to say I got the deal. I was in Ireland. It was in October. I was, I was so sick. I was I was like the sickest ever been in my life. I had this flu and I was shivering and hot sweat and headaches and could hardly speak. And I didn't know if the deal was coming. I was just like so weak and so sick that I was never just like, I guess this is a sign, man. I'm on this downhill trend now. I was like, no, but there may be a chance. And uh, yeah, the phone rang and... Um, and he, he, he said to me, hey, yeah, let's let's get this show on the road, man. Um, that was a moment where you hang up and you're like, wait, this is what I wanted so bad, chased so hard for so long, and it's now official. Um, that was a pretty big pinch me moment. And even, you know, going to tell, call my mom and dad or 
calling people around me or my partners, you know, top con executives who've been behind me since day one are all my other partners who, you know, jumped on, never forget who got you off the ground. You know, when I was just here in America a year, they were behind me calling them and saying, Hey, you know, we just signed or just got off the Andretti deal. Everyone knows Andretti. That's a big moment, not only for, for me, but for them to, to know that their support has actually led to something, um, I thought was, was pretty cool. And just that, that validation was, was awesome. And then yes, yeah, signed the contract, of course, a week later and at the shop in Indianapolis was cool. Walking out with that in your back pocket was nice. Do you, do you cry? Do you scream? No. Do you <laughs> laugh? Like when this thing comes through, like what's your immediate reaction? Not cry cause you're sad, but cry it like, no, I'm just like sweet. Now, uh, when can I get to the shop and get to work? Honestly, that was it. Seriously, that was that was really what it was about. You know, JF joked. He said, "Man, you're going to be a piece of furniture here in this shop because you know we've done the deal." And I was like, "Well, when's Len, my engineer, Len Pascas? When's when's Len back in town? I want to sit down and we just." I'm not one of those guys. Even when I signed, you know, my biggest partnership deal, I'm not one to go and pop a bottle of champagne and start celebrating. It's all right. Well, I told him we're going to do X, Y, Z start calling people to make it happen. And that's, that's kind of how I am. You know, maybe it'll be, if I win the Indy 500 one day, yeah, you'll probably see James Rowe crying, but right now it's, uh, it's just keep working. I have no doubt that, 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 that will happen. Good stuff. Good stuff. When, when you work hard enough, good things come. That's, yeah. What didn't you expect in your career? What surprised you? Um, what surprised me? I don't know. It, it is, I, I think it surprised me how cons in the early days, so you start off, of course, like any sport, you start off for fun. You know, you're at your local track with your dad and your uncle. It's great. You know, you, you finish the track at six o'clock. You live two miles from it. You're out with your friends playing ball at eight. But then it comes to a point where the programs become so big and all that's in it becomes to a point where you're like, wow, you know, this is really consuming me now. And I actually don't have time for much other stuff. That was probably the... The thing that surprised me now it's one hundred percent normal. It's it's like like breathing air. That's it's fine, but there comes a point where you flip it, um, and that that re recognition of how big this program is, how much people have invested in it, invested in you, how much time and energy you've put in, then you nearly go well. I actually, just owe it to myself now because I put this in and left all this behind. So that resignation standpoint and and recognizing that is, is pretty pretty impactful. Any young person out there, it's always my like wind down question. What advice do you have for young people? Young people get enamored by things and they want to do it because it's cool to do it or because it looks neat. Like what advice do you have for, I don't know, five-year-old, a 15-year-old that says, I want to be a race car driver when I grow up. Like, advice expectations i think um oh you know, where'd you even start in this game but it's kind of just like uh <laughs> i don't know just make sure you like it first and foremost you have the passion for it like really be sure that a lot of people see it and like wow man that looks awesome you know you're going here you're going there you're driving this track that track you're doing this deal that deal that's awesome but you have no idea what it takes to get to that point of doing the deals or getting in the car like before 
strapping yourself into the car is the last piece of the puzzle. Everything up until that is so time-consuming and takes so much energy, and you need a lot of right people around you. But I think having the passion first and foremost is fantastic and very, very important. But secondly, I would just say, A, know you want to do it and really be sure of that. But then make sure you're all in. Like you got to be all in. I'm the type of person when you're in, you're in. And um, give it absolutely everything you got and, and just outwork your competition. I mean, that's that's basically it. When you're not working, your competition is. So you got to uh, keep it going. <laughs> you should have like a YouTube motivational channel. Like, <laughs> I'll do it with you. Hunt and row. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Seriously. The, I, I, I want to honor your time and you can tell JF who keeps messaging you to apologize for, for distracting <laughs> yeah. me. From- it does that deal that one day as we're on it. So yeah, they're all pinging me. <laughs> so seriously, I appreciate you coming on the show. You are always welcome for any benchmarks that you have on the show. You know, you are always welcome. Thank and you. Uh, anything that we can do as a show and, a, and an audience to help you always feel free to reach out. Likewise, my man. Likewise. Great to chat. Yeah, no kidding.